I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Saul Bookman Show. Thank you for joining me here on Wildcat Radio as we come to you live from the Vivid Seats studio. Just a reminder, if you're trying to go to that ASU U of A game, it's a rivalry game. You never know what could happen. Download that Vivid Seats app. All you got to do, put in the promo code OVERTIME. If you're a first-time user, you're going to save yourself 100 bucks or up to 100 bucks, I should say. It's pretty simple. All you got to do. Put in overtime, download the app, first-time users, save yourself $100. Guess what else might be saving the weekend? Hopefully this U of A football team. Hopefully they can turn it around. CJ Holmes from The Athletic is going to join me to talk a little bit about the expectations this weekend and moving forward. Is Kevin Sumlin on the hot seat? He's about to let us know if he is. And then my man Justin Spears is going to join us as well. A lot to get into He's going to talk about Thanksgiving week. He's going to talk about the Wooden Legacy Tournament. He's going to talk about Pepperdine and Lorenzo Romar taking on his former head coach, counterpart, and Sean Miller. Man, it's it's a fantastic week, folks. It's Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday. So much to get into. But up next, my man CJ Holmes from The Athletic going to break it all down. Stay tuned. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, as promised, joining me today from The Athletic, C.J. Holmes. How's it going, buddy? Going good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So uh, let, let's get started real quick with this Arizona football team. I know there's a there's a lot to get into with this program right now. Uh, starting off, what are your overall thoughts about their performance on Saturday? And I think that's a pretty good starting point. Um, it was just lifeless. You know, outside of a pair of uh, fourth down stops before halftime, it was just it was, it was lifeless. It was uninspired. And they've been playing that way for quite some time. In fact, you know, one can say that this team hasn't this team hasn't really put up a fight since the Stanford game. You know, the, the difference between Arizona right now and a school like Arizona State is that Arizona State was able to pull itself out of its rut. Um, uh, they were able to stay together and overcome that four-game losing streak to knock off Oregon. Um, this past Saturday, and it was funny because I was sitting in the press box and I was telling myself, you know, what if this is the weekend 
both Oregon and Utah lose at the hands of Arizona schools. But, you know, it just, just wasn't meant to be for the Arizona Wildcats. Um, in my opinion, this team has lost the will to win a long time ago, and it really showed. What, what do you think is uh, attributed to that? I mean, I know a lot of people are going to focus on Sumlin. Are you one of those people? Do you, do you think that Sumlin uh, bears a lot of this blame, or, or is it elsewhere? You know, there's one thing that uh, Sumlin likes to say in his press conferences. He likes to keep things ambiguous. Uh, you ask Sumlin the question, you know, what's causing this? And he says uh, something like, you know, it's a number of things. And um, that's how I feel about this Arizona team. It's, it's not just Sumlin. It's not just Khalil Tate. But, you know, when I look at this team's struggles um, of the past six games, um, I can't help but to question some of Sumlin's decisions. Um I, for one, I think this two-quarterback system is ridiculous. Um, it's hard for either guy, whether it's Khalil Tate or Grant Gannell back there to get into a rhythm. Um, so for that, I can blame someone. For not having these guys ready to come out here and fight, that I can blame someone. But, you know, part of it's on the players too. Um, at the end of the day, you know, as a player, you have to have to be ready to play. You know, you can't come out here and let Oregon State hang 50 on you. Um, you know, it comes down to pride. Um that's on the players, but um, it's a number of different things. Um, and someone's tried to correct them. Um, Arizona, they started the season strong defensively. They're opportunistic. Um, at one point, I think they even led the country interceptions through the first few weeks. But ever since that Washington game, we just haven't seen that seen that opportunistic play from that side of the ball, um, which has resulted in the firing of coordinator Marcel Yates, which is which resulted in the firing of linebackers coach John Rushing, and uh, just this past week, uh, Arizona parted ways with the defensive line coach. So, um, you know, someone is trying to right the ship. Um, it's not his fault that he's still playing with a lot of Rich Rodriguez's guys. He hasn't really had um, a solid recruiting class of his own yet. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't put all the blame on someone. It's just a collective dumpster fire uh, down here in Tucson. Do you believe – Someone should be on the hot seat? Um, not quite yet. Um, again, um, you know, someone hasn't really had a full recruiting class of his own. <laughs> but then again, um, you see stories like um, the Athletics' Ari Wasserman uh, released a week ago, you know, saying that you know, someone had a five-star running back in his backyard and, you know, barely made an effort to, to sign him. Um, I could see how that wouldn't sit well. Um, you know, with the fan base here. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, instead of making the trip to Oregon, I actually, uh, once once game time started, I actually uh, went to a couple of bars down on University Boulevard and talked to fans. And um, they're about split um, on someone from the people I've talked to. You know, some, some are like, you know, I don't see this thing getting any better. Um, someone's decision-making is foolish, needs to be out of here. While, you know, others are like, you know, just be patient, let someone get his guys in, um, you know, let someone make his changes on his coaching staff, and, you know, things will uh, get better in time. Um, uh, but as far as will Arizona make a move on someone, uh, I don't think so. I don't think it makes sense from a financial standpoint. Um, if, first and foremost, they're still paying Rich Rodriguez after firing him, firing him two seasons ago. Uh, if they were to part ways with someone after this season, his buyout would be $10 million. Now, after next season, that buyout drops down to $5 million. So that makes a lot more sense um, from a financial standpoint. So, 
Um, you know, at this point, I just think they should give someone another year. Um, but he, he has a, you know, Grant Gannell, the freshman quarterbacks look great this year, even though, you know, I, I, you know, I personally didn't like the way someone handled uh, Khalil Tate's career. Um, I think that he could have done more to scheme to Khalil's strengths. But, you know, there's no design that Grant Gannell's look sharp too. So, um, you know, he's going to have a good quarterback. Um, we'll see what, what's happening with the running back situation. But, you know, there's a stable of underclassmen back there who can all get the job done. Um, Jamari Joyner is supposed to take another step forward as a receiver. Uh, maybe a guy like Drew Dixon steps up. And we'll see uh, which guys come in. So um, I think the best option for Arizona right now is to play out the 2020 season and uh, see if someone can find a way to get this program back on track. So you kind of you kind of alluded it to it earlier, you know, you talked about Khalil Tate and Grant Gannell. Uh, so I take it that you were not a big fan of the way Khalil Tate got handled this past Saturday, considering it was senior night. Um, you know, you know, objectively, you know, as a writer, I'm not supposed to care too much, but you know, as a former athlete, that's got a feel for the guy. I mean, it's senior night, right? No one's really expecting you to win that game anyway. Um, you're running a two-quarterback system, so both guys are going to play. So why not just give Khalil Tate the start? I mean, I know Khalil's frustrated, and it was interesting because, you know, senior night, everyone runs out of the tunnel, gives Coach a hug, and, you know, heads out to midfield. Well, when it was Khalil's turn to do that, you could just see, you know, the camera zoomed in on his face, was all over the jumbotron. You could just see visible like, disgust in his eyes when he was looking at someone. And, I mean, really he couldn't even make eye contact with the guy. So um, I know Khalil, um, such, this uh, situation has been extremely frustrating for Khalil and his family, and it's a shame that um, someone mishandled what could have been a fantastic collegiate career for such a dynamic quarterback. Okay. All right. Well, no, I mean, that, those are all great points. Uh, let's move. Let's move ahead to ASU. Um, obviously, we know about the big win that they had uh, this past weekend against number six Oregon. We'll find out what Oregon is ranked tonight uh, or on Tuesday night when when the rankings come out. But uh, how is this U of A team going to stop that combination of Jaden Daniels, Ayuk, Darby, and Eno Benjamin? Uh, considering they haven't been able to slow anybody down in recent weeks. You know, you say it yourself, it's going to be difficult. Um, now, granted, uh, that ASU trio uh, wasn't all that effective in Arizona State's four-game losing streak, but, you know, um, they all came up big last week against Oregon, and now they're playing with a ton of confidence heading into the Territorial Cup. You didn't realize that um... – that after they beat Oregon, like nobody really pays attention to the last four weeks. It's it's almost as if that four game losing streak didn't even exist. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just kind of like that's what winning does. Um, winning uh, winning makes everything better, you know. And at home in the locker room, you know that that post game meal even tastes a little little more savory uh, when you win a game. But um, you're right. No one's thinking about that four-game losing streak. They're now known as the team that knocked off the mighty Oregon Ducks. And um, they're playing with a ton of confidence. Um, Arizona hasn't had that kind of confidence in weeks. Um, it was funny because someone asked me uh, yesterday, you know, CJ, what's the strangest thing that you think can happen in this Territorial Cup? I told myself the strangest thing would be if Arizona finds a way to put it all together and be competitive for four quarters. I mean, that would be 
crazy um, considering how they've been playing lately and all the problems and drama that are going around with this program right now. Um, you know, like we touched on, um, uh, Jaden Daniels, Brandon Ayuk, you know, Benjamin, um, those guys are fantastic. But, you know, in Arizona, they have playmakers too. I mean, Grant Cadell has shown that, you know, he's the guy for the future. Khalil Tate, I still think he has more left in the tank, and, you know, he'll certainly be looking to make the most of his opportunities on Saturday. You know, J.J. Taylor, it's his last game too. He's already staged the claim for the draft. Um, you know, if Arizona can find a way to put together a complete performance on both sides of the ball for four quarters and they'll have the shot to win, but, you know, the way things stand in that program right now, I doubt that that will happen. What do you envision happening? Obviously things can change, but, you know, what would you envision? Um, what do you expect to see on Saturday? Um, I expect to see a Arizona team that's a little more competitive, but, you know, playing on the road against a team as confident as ASU right now, I just – don't see. I, I just don't see them getting it done. Um, I think it's seven straight losses for Arizona to end the season. Uh, I'm going with a 28 to 14 Arizona State win. 28 to 14. All right, you heard it from CJ Holmes. CJ is going to stay on with us uh, as we go to this break, and we're going to talk about some U of A hoops uh, right after this. All right, we're back, CJ. Uh, you know, let's let's move on from. Uh, some of the not so pleasant to something that's a little bit more positive for U of A fans. And that's that this Wildcats basketball team, Arizona, number 14 in the country, about to play in the wooden classic. Uh, so far, what have been your early impressions of this uh, Arizona basketball team? Um, they have potential to be really good. Um, you know, I, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from them, um, especially offensively through these first six games. Um, you know, Nico Mandian, he's a star, uh, Josh Green, um, he hasn't really hit a stride yet, but when he, done, when he does, this team really is going to be even better. And then you got Zeke Nagy, the, the guy that no one outside of those open gym sessions, uh, no one knew he'd be this good that soon. I mean, the guy's leading the conference and field goal percentage. Um, that's just ridiculous for a freshman. Um, and, but here's the thing, though. You know, it's early. Um, I don't think the Cats have necessarily uh, played anyone worth bragging about. Um, this Thursday, and uh, uh, Wooden Legacy Tournament will be their first time playing away from the McHale Center um, this season, and the first time, you know, the first road matchups in general for the for those freshmen. Um, but I, I think we're really going to see, you know, what this team is made of. Although the field isn't all that impressive um, out there in Anaheim, it'll be a good test for the Wildcats and a good tune-up uh, before they have to head to Baylor on uh december 7th and then uh two weeks after that they got gonzaga coming to town what uh what what players impress you the most um what players impress me the most i would say it's jamal baker um the kentucky freshman um the guy has a 22 to 1 assist to turnover ratio and you know in a way i kind of owe jamal an apology you know i wrote earlier in the year that you know this isn't a guy that you want to have as your backup point guard um, he's a scorer. Um, you want him playing off the ball. You want him shooting. Um, you don't want him as a guy that's going to make decisions. But, you know, I've been wrong. You know, a 22-to-1 assist turnover ratio, I mean, that speaks to itself. Um, the guy is making great decisions. He's getting his teammates in advantageous situations. And now the scoring is starting to come, too. Um, you know, with the dismissal of Devonair Dutree from the program, 
Uh, Baker's elevated play is going to be key for this team, and uh, right now it seems like he's answering the bell. How high do you think this team's ceiling is? Do you think it's a Final Four possible possibility, or are we looking at something uh, not so high? Um, I do. I do think that, you know, absolute ceiling, this could be a Final Four team, but they're going to have to get better in um, two specific areas to do that. I think offensively this team's going to be fine. But, um, you know, at the defensive end, they have to rebound better. You know, in a lot of games this year against these lesser opponents, you know, you're supposed to dominate the boards against Long Beach State and um, uh, South Dakota State. Uh, they're supposed to dominate the boards. And, you know, Arizona hasn't really had a dominating performance on, on the defensive glass yet this season. And they're going to have to stop shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, you know, I was watching the um, – you know, I was watching the game on Sunday, you know, obviously I was there. Um, they were just turning the ball over at a ridiculous pace. And the thing is, the discouraging part is they were unforced. Um, they have to be smarter with the ball, you know, especially in games against Baylor and in games against um, Gonzaga and conference play. It's really going to hurt this team. So um, if they can clean those up, they can be more physical on the glass. They can take care of the ball. Yeah, the sky's the limit for this group. And, um, uh, they can accomplish uh, any goals they set out to reach. Nico's a, a unique individual, and he, he can do a lot of great things on the court. What's the one aspect of his game that you think separates him from most? His composure. Um, it seems like no moment has been too big for him um, so far in his freshman year. Um, the guy just plays with a confidence. He has some swagger to himself. Um, you know, that's that's the most impressive thing about Nico Manning to me. It's not his no hesitation pull-up jumper. It's not his three-point shooting. It's it's how no moment really seems too big for him. Um, you know, this is a guy that technically should still be a senior in high school if it wasn't for youth classification. Um, and for him to play with the poise and the aggressiveness um, that he plays with, I think that just speaks volume about who he is as a player and um, what he's going to accomplish at the collegiate level. Fantastic stuff, CJ. One one last thing. Actually, two last things. One, fill in the blank. Arizona will make the Final Four if? Arizona will make the Final Four if they're more aggressive um, at the defensive end. All right. And then, like I said before you go, I do have one thing. You know, a lot of people might not know so much about you personally, but, um, you know, I dug deep into the archives and I was able to find a little bit of your uh, walk-on playing career at the University of Auburn. And uh, I just wanted to play this for you and uh, get your quick thoughts. Jacksonville State still looking for their first win. C.J. Holmes on the drive. He put it on his right hip and took it all the way in. And now C.J. will just uh, dribble it out in backcourt. The Tigers are going to win this one by a final score of 78-2-50. to how about that, huh? <laughs> That's my uh, first career points. Yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, truth be told, you had a perfect uh, 100% shooting percentage in college. Is that correct? It is. Uh, it's a little misleading. You see, my freshman <laughs> year, uh, my freshman year, uh, there's, this, there's this guy, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mark Titus, um, used to be at Grantland, now he's at the Ringer. Um but he did this thing called, you know, he was a walk-in on Ohio State, and he started this thing called Trillions, right? It's when you have uh, 
you know, zero is doing a walk-on gets in the game. He has zero stats, you know, across the board. There's 12 different stats you can get in a basketball game. And when you check in, um, you get none. So if you play for one minute, that's a one trillion. If you play for two minutes, it's a two trillion. So uh, my freshman year, I was focused on getting those because Titus actually kept a national leaderboard, uh, which I was on for a while. Um, but uh, heading into my sophomore year, my stepdad actually passed away. So, um, you know, I wanted to get a bucket for him. And uh, that specific night, I was able to do that. And you can't tell me they ain't fouled me. That's an and one. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought that was a block myself. I thought you should have got the and one. But, hey, at least you got the bucket, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, that's CJ Holmes joining us here on the Saul Bookman Show podcast. CJ, I appreciate your time, brother. Man, thanks for having me. Man, let's do this again soon. For sure, for sure. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Shout out to the University of Arizona women's basketball team. There you go, ladies. They finally cracked the AP Top 25 for the first time since 2005. It has been a long time, a long, long time for these ladies to finally get some some love nationally. Number 24 in the country and just to make it a little bit better, their recruiting class is looking dynamite for next year. Why? Because they just got a signee, their highest-ranked signee since, you guessed it, Kate Reese just a couple years ago, McDonald's All-American. This time, that recruit comes in the form of the number 22 overall prospect, the number three post in the country, the number 13 overall, according to Prospects Nation, and the number four post. She goes by the name of, yes, Lauren Ware. And not only is she the best basketball player since Kay Reese, she's also going to play volleyball. So it's two for the price of one. Lauren Ware is coming to the University of Arizona to play for Coach Adia Barnes. Let me tell you something about her. She goes to Century High School uh, in Bismarck, North Dakota, and you think, North Dakota, what the hell? Guess what? There's nothing to do but stay inside the gym in North Dakota because it's cold. Have you been outside in Arizona? It's like 60, 50 degrees right now. I can only imagine what it's like in North Dakota. And then she's six foot five, great wingspan. She's got a great all-around game. Uh, a, a Barnes's assessment of her is – and I quote, straight off of Desert Swarm. So shout out AZ Desert Swarm. Lauren is a six foot five, versatile post player, tremendous footwork, a great touch around the basket, going right or left. A good 17 foot jump shot. She's going to be a star in the Pac 12, and we're really excited to have her. Guess what? We're excited to have her as well. We're excited about this women's basketball team now up to a six and O mark. They dominated up in Montana over the weekend. 
I mean, there not enough can be said about the job that Adia Barnes has done, and it's only going to get better. It's going to be fantastic having her in the toe in tow, and also they did get another signee as well, Darren Erdogan. Now you might not have heard of her; she's not ranked, but she's coming from Turkey. Yet another overseas signee, and according to Coach Barnes. She's strong. She's a powerful guard. She can play one-on-one. She can play as the two. She can play as the one. Uh, she can play with the team. She's a gamer, not a typical body type for a European guard. She's strong and finishes well. Great mentality. Comes from a great club overseas. And her mom used to play overseas. So, Adia Barnes, reeling them in from all over the world. Congrats to her and this Lady Wildcats basketball team who is now, I'm sorry, not Lady Wildcats, just this Arizona women's basketball team that is now 6-0 and ranked for the first time in a long time. Congratulations to the women. Up next, some more hoops. We're going to bring on my man Justin Spears here on the Saul Bookman Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back, and just like I said before, my dude, Justin Spears, the man, the myth, the legend on the line with us. What's up, Justin? My guy, Saul. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. So, uh, you know, real quick, obviously, Arizona out to a great start this season, and now they get their first, I, I guess we could say it's a, it's a better test than what they've already done so far. You know, you got some, some decent teams in this Wooden Legacy bracket. First of all, your overall impressions of, of what they're about to embark on this week. Uh, you know, the Wooden Legacy is not really a strong field and compared to, you know, some of the other tournaments that they were in, you know, last year, you know, in the Maui Invitational, and then a couple of years ago down the Bahamas, the teams that they faced were much better than the teams uh, they're about to face this weekend. You know, they got uh, Pepperdine on, on Thanksgiving night. Uh, Lorenzo Romar uh, is a great coach, as, as we all know. And I'm hoping he's going to do some big things out there. But uh, Pepperdine has struggled a little bit this season. And, and um, some of the other teams as well, you know, like UCF, uh, Wake Forest, Penn, you know, these are teams that Arizona should beat uh, by, by 20 points. And I know it's the, the first game outside of McHale Center and the baskets are a little bit different when you're away from home. But they're playing in Anaheim. They're playing in the Anaheim Convention Center. Uh, which seats about, I don't know, like 7,000 or, you know, maybe a little bit more. And most of those people are going to be Arizona fans. So this isn't really a true road test for them, but it's still a game away from McHale Center, which should be pretty interesting nonetheless. Uh, I think I think you st- I'm going to correct you. Anaheim is the worst. I think we oh. know why. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. have the best yeah. history in Anaheim. But, you know, I get what you're saying. You know, they got to face Pepperdine. Pepperdine, I mean, they just lost to Sacramento State. Sacramento State has uh, it, it has a very, very poor man's version of what Arizona has. They have some good inside players. They have some outside shooting, and that is exactly what killed Pepperdine in their last matchup. Um, I don't expect anything different. What, is, what has been your early impression of Zeke Naji? Man, he's very impressive. Um, he's definitely exceeded my expectations. 
uh, through the first few games. And he's so he's so great because he's like the perfect mid-range forward or like the perfect mid-range big. Um, you know, whether he gets it on the elbow or whether he gets it, you know, in a mid-range area, I mean, he could do some damage with the ball, whether he attacks the basket or whether he pulls up. Now, his range is is improving, and I think throughout the, the course of the season, you're going to see him, you know, maybe take a couple of three-pointers or really extend his range. But, you know, he is the perfect guy for busting a 2-3 zone. And that's what Sean Miller has talked about, you know, his ability to, you know, knock down the open shot. And the, the thing about Zeke is that he never takes a bad shot. He never forces anything. And so it's up to, you know, guys like Nico Mannion, Max Hazard, Jamal Baker to feed uh, Zeke Najee. And, you know, eventually – you know, teams are going to start double-teaming him. They're going to start uh, defending him differently, which we saw uh, last weekend. But then it opens up opportunities for perimeter players. You know, you give Zeke Naji the ball down low, and he's going to kick it out to Jamal Baker or Nico Mannion or Max Hazard, guys that can knock down the three-pointers. And I also think it could open up opportunities for his uh, front court mate, and that's Chase Jeter. You know, he's a guy that was a team captain last year for Arizona. And I thought, you know, he – could have not necessarily a breakout year, but, you know, a a season where he puts up, you know, about eight to 10 points a game and maybe seven or eight rebounds. But so far this season, he's, you know, really only averaged about, you know, two or three points a game, but he's only taking, you know, two to three shots as well. So I think eventually you're going to see Chase Jeter getting more aggressive, but my goodness, Zeke Naji and and the efficiency that he's shooting at, it's unbelievable. And Sean Miller compared him to Derek Williams. I'm not sure if that's the right comparison, but I don't even know, you know, who else to compare him to. He's he's been spectacular for Arizona. No, he he really has. Uh, I mean, I don't think we've seen a freshman quite like him before. I know we like to say, you know, it's almost as if Sean Miller has Jedi mind tricked the entire fan base into speaking <laughs> the same way he does. Because I find myself saying the same thing that he was was like. Zeke Naji, you know, I don't think we've seen a freshman like him before at this age, blah, 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 let alone DeAndre Ayton a couple of years ago and a couple of years before that, Aaron Gordon, you know, like we've had similar players. But for some reason, this is the first. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. You know, if there's one team in this bracket that you're really looking forward to seeing, uh, who, who would that be? Oh, man. Well, uh, probably on the other side. Uh, with with Wake Forest, just because you know this is a, a, a team from the ACC, um, and that's probably really the only team that's going to give Arizona a, a, a true test. Because on the other side, you know Long Beach State, uh, they weren't much of a challenge for Arizona at McHale Center. Uh, so I think probably Wake Forest would would probably be uh, the, the next team that I, that I really want to see face off against Arizona. And if it does, it's probably going to be in that championship game. So that should be pretty fun. Wake Forest, man, they haven't been good since, ooh, let's see. Uh, since Tim Duncan? Duncan? <laughs> 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 didn't, wait, didn't they beat Arizona in, in the NCAA tournament one year? I'm not am sure. I, am, or, or, or am I thinking of, like, you know, regular season? You know, honestly, I, 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 can't, even, I can't even recall. I, that's how long it's been since Wake Forest. Wake Forest? <laughs> hasn't been relevant since I was in high school. That's 20 years ago, at least, plus 22. Wow. So, yeah, man. I, I don't know, man. Uh, you, you know, and, yeah. and matter of fact, here's a little side note. The last time Wake Forest was re- was relevant, like truly relevant, with Tim Duncan, that's the year Arizona won the national championship. 
So there you go. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah. but but see but see so that that shows the the talent level that's in this tournament. And you know what's sad is I was uh, looking on Twitter today and they were talking about the wooded legacy for next year. And it's yeah, got like Virginia, UCLA, Villanova. Yeah, you know, for Virginia. And it's like the field for next year's wooded legacy is stacked and we're getting no offense to the teams that are in the field now, but it's it's like JV compared to next year's field. So. No, it, it's plenty of offense. You know, they they should take offense because their programs are not good and they need to step it up. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and I mean, and that kind of that kind of lends itself to a, a bigger issue, I would say. What is your impression of the recent non-conference scheduling? You know, Arizona really hasn't hasn't really blown the doors off like they used to back in the Lute Olson era. And I know everybody likes to talk about the Lute Olson era and how you know Lute would schedule teams in the top ten, top fifteen, top twenty-five in the non-conference, and just the non-conference schedule would be riddled with those types of teams. And now you get the onesies, twosies, and and kind of those borderline big matchups. And you know, like a team like Baylor who could be a top 25 team and is a top 25 team, but, you know, if they stumble early in the non-conference, all of a sudden they're not a top 25 team, even though it's a true road game. Yeah. Well, the scheduling for this year, I think, is is perfect for Arizona because, uh, you know, you have a bunch of newcomers, and you you don't really know what to expect out of these guys, uh, you know, when they first come in here. So I think the schedule – in terms of non-conference, is perfect for Arizona. Uh, but, of course, that was I was saying that before I knew how actually good this Arizona team was. And, and you want to, you know, play against the best of the best because that's going to get you ready for conference play. Um, you know, playing in, in the Maui Invitational, playing in these uh, neutral site non-conference tournaments, that gives these newcomers a taste of what's to come in March when you're playing – you know, three games in four days, essentially. Uh, but in in terms of this year's schedule, yeah, it, it's not it's not really good. It's not a sexy schedule whatsoever. And, and it's, unless you get to conference play, because I think the Pac-12 is going to be better this year compared to last year. But yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of of the teams Arizona's uh, facing. But I think it's the right schedule for them. And yeah, it, it should be interesting to see what they do uh, here in this Wooden Legacy. Puts a lot of pressure on those two games, yeah. Baylor and uh, Gonzaga at home. Oh, absolutely. And, and that because and that's the, the, cause the if they thing. don't if they don't they don't win those games, then all of a sudden their non conference schedule was super weak. And when it comes to yeah. shooting time in an NCAA tournament, you're going to be on the outside looking in. It's some bad uh, seed. Yeah. Well, I will let, let's just say here. I mean, I, I think Arizona, the way they're playing at right now, they're going to be a top three seed in the tournament eventually. Um, or you know, or a top four at the worst. But yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, Saul. You don't get quality wins over some some tournament teams. I mean, and that's the difference between you know being a, a three seed and a two seed. Um, I, I don't know what your what your take is on this, but uh, what was Arizona's like strength of schedule during the 2014-15 season uh, when? Or the or the thirteen fourteen season weren't they supposed to be a number one seed and then they ended up becoming the number two seed in Wisconsin's bracket? Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was fourteen fifteen. Uh, yeah, that was the that yeah. was the year after after the Aaron Gordon year. And you know, I'm not quite sure. I don't even remember that. Oh, actually, no. Yeah, they had Stanley Johnson. They played at the Maui Invitational. Uh, they beat Kansas State in that first round. Uh, I think uh, who did they beat in that final? 
Was it Gonzalez? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it might have been. It might have been. But I, I don't know why it, they they were. It, it wasn't like a. Number two it wasn't season. a. It, it wasn't a very sexy um, uh, win, uh, winning, yeah. uh, a convincing win, I should say. Uh, it, was, it was just an okay Maui Invitational. And um, I think overall, yeah, it, to your point, like their non-conference was, it was okay. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't dominant. It wasn't a world beater. They beat Michigan at home, but Michigan wasn't the, 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 the strong Michigan team of the year before. They beat them at home, but like, 70, I feel like. Um, it was the, yeah. the raining game, and all the students were outside waiting to get in because it was cold and wet outside yeah. and during Christmas break. And, uh, you know, that was really that. And then they beat Gonzaga at home, and Gonzaga was decent that year too. But really that non-conference schedule wasn't very strong, and that's why they ended up with a two seed. Yeah, and, and just just right there, Arizona ends up with the number one seed. I guarantee you Arizona may not cut down the nets, but they're in the final four that year if they don't run into Wisconsin. Uh, not if Wisconsin's the number two seed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Could you imagine? <laughs> I, I could ask, you don't think you don't think the NCAA would do that to us? Come on. If Wisconsin's anywhere near <laughs> the same seed as Arizona this year, guaranteed they're in the bracket. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> matter of fact, you know you know, matter of fact, I talk, I spoke with Frank Kaminsky uh a month or two ago at Suns Media Day, and I just – the first question I asked him was, why, dude? Like, why? And he was like <laughs> – Why? <laughs> and, 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 and it was as if he already knew what I was talking about. He knew – it was like he knew I was an Arizona fan. He was like, dude, get over it. We beat you guys. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. And I was like, all right, this is how we're going to get this thing started. Here we go. <laughs> Frank Kaminsky. Still, uh, how many years has it been since then? Uh, four, five, almost four years, four and yeah, and people people are still giving him a hard time for it. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Yeah, it is, but then I threw in the, then I threw in his face. I was like, I can't believe they drafted you before Booker. <laughs> <laughs> shade, so much shade. <laughs> uh, but you know, we I both love laughed. It. I love we, it. We had a good time, but you know, I, I just. I I just want to see more out of Arizona in the non-conference uh, for not only basketball for football. You know, I think that these are some of those things that are lending itself to um, you know fan support. You know, it's it's hard to get excited about these weak teams. Um, and so, really, what what is the fan base buying tickets to? They get to see Gonzaga one time, and then they'll they'll get to see Oregon, I think, this year. And other than that, it's the same old stuff every every other week. So. Hopefully in yeah. the future it'll change and uh, and they'll get some more powerhouse teams. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes. Well, you also got and you also got a thing too, you know, from uh, almost like a bias standpoint. You know, East Coast or West Coast doesn't get really any love on the East Coast. So if you you know schedule like a Villanova to come out here, if you schedule you know a a quality Big Ten opponent or an ACC opponent, and you know the Pac-12 beats them or play, plays a competitive game, I mean, that will give the West Coast a little bit more respect to a lot of guys on the East Coast because, hey, the committee and for the NCAA tournament, I mean, a lot of those guys are on the East Coast. So it's up to the West to uh, to get together and, and make some and get some quality opponents. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Saul. Hey, anywhere, anytime. That's the motto. That's what, that's what the Absolutely. motto should be all the time. So go out, Absolutely. find them, beat them. And you know, and, and talk some smack on, along the way. Real quick, before I let you go, the rivalry game this week. We already know how everybody in 
the entire fan base is truly uh, kind of disappointed in, in the way this football season turned out. But what is your prediction for the Territorial Cup come this Saturday? Oh, man. Um, you know, throughout this season, I've really been optimistic for Arizona football. I've always told myself, you know, maybe maybe this is a week where they can get together and, and pull pull together a win. I've been this saying that over this, this, and over. This just in, Justin Spears is optimistic about Arizona sports. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, Saul, I lost I lost optimism about this team's potential after the Oregon State game because this was the game after they fired Marcel Yates. They promote Chuck Cecil as the interim defensive coordinator. And you have homecoming. you got the Desert Swarm uniforms that Arizona's wearing. It just seemed to me Arizona could not lose that weekend. And they allowed Oregon State to come down here, put up almost 400 yards of offense just in the first half, and score 56 points. After that game against Oregon State, I know Oregon State's a much better team than they have been in the past, but after that game, that's when I realized there's some serious problems with this team, and now here we are. They're not going to do a bowl game in year two under Kevin Sumlin, which I think is crazy. If you were to tell me one of the Arizona schools is going to two straight bowl games with their new head coach, I would have assumed Kevin Sumlin every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Nothing against Herm Edwards, but he was not a college football coach, and the last time he coached was almost two decades ago in the NFL. Other than that, he's been the NFL guy on ESPN. But you look at the incredible job that he's done with that program. And I, and I know it's not, you know, they're not going to do a Rose Bowl or they're not, you know, winning eight, nine games, but Herm Edwards is still taking his team to a bowl game. Uh, but with that being said, you know, I like stories a lot. And you know what, man? One thing Khalil <laughs> Tate has not done, one thing Khalil Tate has not done. Here we go. Is, is, is beat the ASU Sun Devils. He's, not, he's never won a bowl game, so that, that little box is left unchecked. But he's never beaten ASU. And I think if you're Kevin Sumlin, if you're the coaching staff, you have to look at Khalil Tate and say, look, man, we're putting all the chips on the table for you. We're not doing this two-quarterback system. This is your last collegiate game. Go out there and win a football game for us. And if Khalil Tate puts together one last masterpiece, because while Khalil Tate's played some awful games, uh, throughout his career. He's also played some pretty great ones. Khalil Tate can go on the road and beat ASU and right off and right off into the sunset. I mean, he can write one last good chapter uh, for his career at the U of A. And you know what? Like I said, good, good stories. I love them. So let's go with Khalil Tate starting as the Arizona quarterback, and let's go with the Cats pulling off uh, one crazy win up at Tepe. I'm going to go Arizona – 30 ASU 28. The eternal optimist, my man, Justin Spears. <laughs> 31-28, he gives his prediction. Uh, I wish I shared your optimism, my friend, but uh, hey, have a great Thanksgiving, and I appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Saul. <laughs> All right, brother. That's all we got for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to CJ Holmes and Justin Spears for talking some basketball and some football with me. It's Rivalry Week. Everybody have a safe, blessed Thanksgiving. We'll catch you next week.